I have listened to nothing. Listened. I've listened to a lot. That is one thing I do. I listen to a shitload of podcasts. I have probably listened to 15 episodes of various and sundry podcasts over the last week, but I have watched nothing. See, and I have a ton of podcasts that are in my library and I haven't listened to any of them because I only listen when I drive and I haven't been driving any very much. So and I'm sad because I haven't been listening to a lot. Well, I started walking on the track in the morning after I dropped the kids off from school. So I listen then and I listen when I walk the dog and I listen when I am in the car, which is like always. And yeah, I've been having to go into like the back catalog of some stuff because I don't even have enough new episodes to keep me going. There's so many podcasts now that are like TV rewatches, like series rewatches. And Mm -hmm. I have so many of those because... I was already listening to the office one and then I started listening to the parks and rec one. And then I was listening to the veep one and it's just, there's so many, but I've been watching a bunch of stuff because it's been just me here most of the weekend. So this is what I've been doing. Okay. Last night, my oldest and I watched the harder they fall on Netflix. Freaking phenomenal. It was so good. Really, really good. Great cast, great music, great story cinematography is so cool like i don't even know how to describe a lot of it but it's a western which we know we don't like westerns but you should watch it (laughs) and i'm i'm sorry if you people have not watched godless yet on netflix i don't know what the hell's wrong with you because it's one of the best shows underrated shows out there on netflix anyway tried and i'm gonna try again i only got through like 20 minutes (laughs) it's so good but this is an all-black cast and it's a, your typical Western shoot 'em up thing, but it's about like real Wild West, you know, like the outlaws, train robbers and stuff back in the day. But they were black people because if you look at like, you know, your John Wayne movies and shit, there's no black people. And you know, there's black people. So where were the black people? So this is like their story and it's based on real characters. I mean, the story is made up, but these were actual people that existed and. It's just really cool. Like, they have... The colors are really cool. And then there's one point where they make a point of they're going to an all-white town. And everything in the town is painted white. And it is this... Oh, just the... It's fabulous. The the cinematography and the directing of it is so good. Because it's like, oh, it's an all-white town. And every building is white. All the people are white. And I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But that was really good. This one was silly, but I actually enjoyed it. It's called Love Hard on Netflix. It's like a romantic comedy thing. Girl finds this guy on a dating app and he's wonderful and he's fantastic and they talk for hours and they're perfect. So she decides to fly across the country and surprise him for Christmas and then she gets there and realizes she's been catfished. But the guy who catfished her knows the guy whose pictures he was using so, and he says, I can set you up with him. And then it's a whole thing. And it's it's really hokey. It's kind of dumb in spots. But the comedy of it is really good. There's some good points in it that are really funny. So, it has its moments. And then I watched Passing on Netflix. That one I can tell you to pass. <laughs> I mean, the story's good. The idea's good. But it's just, it goes nowhere. Um, it's boring. And I watched the documentary Rita Moreno, just a girl who decided to go for it. And if you love West Side Story, if you love Rita Moreno, 
go watch that because that's really good. And then I've been stuck down the rabbit hole of old episodes of Nip Tuck and I'm into oh, yeah. season two of Nip Tuck and I forgot just how ridiculous the show is, but it's so juicy and weird and I enjoy it. That's it. Yeah, I loved Nip Tuck so much. I have a bunch of VHS tapes that say Nip Tuck. I mean, I think this was, it was like early 2000s. 2003 is when season okay. one came out. Okay. I mean, and apparently I still either, you know what, it may have actually been my mom recording it for me because I don't know if I had FX at the time and I think she would record it for me on the VHS and then when I would come home from grad school, she would give me the tapes because my mommy was just the best mommy ever. Uh, because she thought the show was just trash, just absolute trash. It really but is. It really since is. I, since I loved it, she was like, all right. This is Ryan <laughs> Murphy before Glee Ryan Murphy, which, and then it is just like ratchet and beyond Ryan Murphy. It's mm. ridiculous. So, yes. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to That So Original podcast. I am Kelly, and I'm here with Watches All the Things Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, I'm busy watching something right now. I'm just kidding. No, you better not be, because we have to get super serious, because it's time to talk about Midnight Mass, Book 6, Acts of the Apostles. This is the penultimate Penultimate, episode. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So... This one's crazy. I don't even feel like we need to say that anymore. This is a crazy show. They're all going to be crazy. It's crazy. This Just one like this one had my ass puckered for a good part of it because <laughs> there was some worry that this shit was going to, whoo, it gets wild. Chaotic, for yeah. sure. Why yeah. don't you start us off, please? Okay. So we pick up moments, question mark, hours, question mark. <laughs> After Riley became a Roman candle, so it's 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 questionable. Sun she stopped so, screaming. So yeah, the sun yeah, just came yeah. up, and I mean, Aaron has stopped screaming long enough to just sit there for a while. She wipes a bit of Riley off the seat. She's <laughs> gonna, oops, a little bit on there. That's a little bit on there, and then switch seats and grabs the oars and starts to row to shore. And I was like, wait, wait, wait! I have so many questions. How far out are they? Yeah, there's no land anywhere. Yeah, like, she, she, she anywhere had a miscarriage, like, a couple days before, and she's got to roll all her ass all the way back home. I, ugh. And then I just thought this was really funny, is that Netflix, you know how they put, like, their um their ratings and stuff at the top? It said, language, violence, gore, smoking. And I was like, no one smoked in this episode except Riley. <laughs> Nobody. Wow, rude, Netflix. <laughs> wow. That was really rude. <laughs> Then I was watching the episodes, like, who's smoking? Ed smokes. Ed smokes. It's him. But he didn't in this episode, I don't think. But he might have. Uh-huh. Yeah. As he gets ready to go into Father's house. Oh, yep. The- he does. You're mm-hmm. right. He. I remember him throwing a cigarette away. Okay. Yep. So, cut to Father Paul, who was standing on the porch of the rectory, looking sad, also pissy as all hell. Like, he's very disappointed. He's got the disappointed dad face. Because he knows Riley is not coming. He didn't show up. He's like Aaron from two nights ago. Like, where the fuck is he? He said he'd be here. And he's not. Dad, Flynn, wake up. And so does Warren. And they find uh, letters addressed to them on the end of their bed from Riley, obviously. So this explains the creeping into their room and staring at them. Mm-hmm. He was placing his letters. <laughs> I gotta say, you'd think he would have stayed, like, one more day and got them off the island before he set himself on fire. Like, right? Get through this. He's gonna shit. leave it up to Aaron to do. Yeah, it? and Aaron is useless. I'm sorry. 
And I was like, the skin burning is pretty convincing. Way more convincing than any fucking letter. I'm sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe he's like, I can't get any shit done during the day. It's all going to be at night. Everyone's going to be tired. I just don't want to. So eventually Aaron gets back to shore. I was like, apparently she's rowing back in time because somehow the sun isn't as far up on the island. So she, <laughs> I don't know how, but her arms have to be burning. I wanted, I noticed <laughs> as she gets out of the boat, her arms are like, like she's carrying invisible suitcases as she's walking out of that boat. <laughs> and I was like, I feel you, girl. I feel you. So she walks through town and she walks past the church. She sees Sturge changing the sign to say midnight mass, Easter vigil, all welcome. She gives him a little hi and just keeps walking. And we see dad and he's reading his letter and making this like stupid face. <laughs> and then next thing we know, Erin is at Doc Sarah's, who is still in bed because she comes downstairs wearing a robe. When she comes downstairs wearing a robe, like her, her and Millie in the same room. Yeah, What's I know. going on up there? I don't know. And Erin says, I need your help. Cut to Erin. Has told Sarah the whole story because she's sitting there sobbing. And she's like, and now you think I'm crazy because I just heard that come out of my mouth and I think I'm crazy. And Sarah's like, yeah, that sounds crazy. By the way, have you heard of Ignaz Simmelweis? Aaron's like, no. I was like, that's a dumb fucking question, Sarah. No one has I was like, yes, guy. of course. Just... We all have Sarah. It's a very <laughs> common name. Just tell the fucking story. Sarah says he was a Hungarian physician in the 1840s. He was in charge of these two birthing clinics. One was part of a teaching school, which had physicians and medical students. And the other one was run by midwives. Surprisingly, the one ran by the physicians had a much higher mortality rate. So this guy, Ignaz, tried to figure out why. And he finally suggested that, uh, I don't know, wild idea here. Maybe the students should wash their hands after doing the autopsies before going to the birthing ward. It's crazy. But death rates plummeted and the scientific community thought he was crazy. They committed him to an asylum. In fact, he died there. And when they replaced him at these clinics and stopped washing their hands, mortality rates went right back up. So yeah, your story is crazy. But let me tell you something crazy while we're at it. So she brings Aaron into her lab slash examination room and she's telling her about her mom's incredible recovery, which is a weird way to say that she's literally aging in reverse. Like that's not a recovery, so yeah. to speak. Like, look at her. <laughs> anyway, she's been trying to figure out what's going on by running lots of tests. So she's been taking blood samples to send to the mainland for analysis, but she hasn't sent any of them yet because she keeps doing this just to see it again. So she's pouring some of her mom's blood from a test tube onto a Petri dish she says, you're telling me Riley Flynn caught fire in the sunlight. And Aaron's like, yep. Sarah says, well, that's batshit crazy. Like drug you and put you in a padded room type crazy. Then she sets the Petri dish on the windowsill and then she slides it over into the sunlight and it bursts into flames, which sets off the smoke alarm, which is apparently like the 50th time this has happened because Millie rushes in like, what the hell, Sarah, again, every day this week. And Aaron is shocked to see her because she literally looks 25. She looks younger than Sarah, even though she's wearing this old lady nightgown. Like, this is not a recovery. This is, I don't like to use the word miracle, but this is something completely unexplainable. I know. I'm wondering why her hair hasn't gone back from gray. Like, did she gray really early? Like, she looks Maybe. she looks 12 and she's got gray hair. Yes. So it doesn't I mean, make any sense. Her face, like her face is just is perfect. She looks younger. 
than Sarah, and they just keep holding on to that gray hair and the old lady clothes to try to sell it. Not working. No. I just thought it was funny. It's like, is that Sarah's given this whole long lecture about this Hungarian physicist, and Aaron's like, so anyways, about to, back to my friend who's bursting up flames. Can we, I was not here for a science lesson. That was a lesson. fun history lesson. <laughs> Weird. Okay. So we're at the rectory and Bev has come in and she's screaming because father has all the curtains open. What are you doing? You have to be careful. And father comes out and says, oh, he's gone. Not sure how I know. Probably the same way I could tell Lisa could walk. The same way I could hear the voice of the angel. The sun came up and I could just tell. And he's like, it was a gift and he spat it out. And of course, Bev has an answer for everything. She's like, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ is eternal life, free will. The heartbreak you feel in his choice is how God must feel for the whole world. And she's like, you know, I'm sorry that this is what Riley chose, but we can't help when people are intent on ruining themselves. And their intent are trying to ruin it for others. She's like, think about this. Who could he have talked to all night? I think somebody whose name starts with an E, ends with an N. Hmm. And she's like, what else would he have done to deprive others of God's graces? And she's like, oh, Judas was part of God's plan, too. And the Acts of the Apostles, hey, there's the title. Yep. When those brave early followers were sent out to the world as sheep among wolves, all the believers were of one heart and mind. None of their possessions were their own. They shared everything they had. There will be others like Riley who try to poison the ears of the, of the faithful against their God. But let, tonight, let's have faith in our church. Let's share everything we have. Easter Vigil has always been a night of baptism. So we know we're gearing up. This is not going to be a fun <laughs> Easter uh-huh. service. It's going to suck some butt. And he strokes her cheek. It's like so weird. Oh, it's so weird. Ugh. He also is wearing a lot of eyeliner. It's very visible later, but it's like a lot of under eye eyeliner. It's really creepy. So we're back at Sarah's and she's explaining to Aaron and Millie about there's a blood disorder with this giant long name. People call it EPP. And a lot of these vampire type myths come from that. People with EPP are very sensitive to light to the point of burning and blistering and very anemic to the point of needing blood, craving iron and blood. And Aaron's like, so this is a blood disorder. And she's like, um, maybe in the same family, like the common cold and the bubonic plague are in the same family. If something has been ingested by people on this island, a virus, an enzyme, a new type of cell, and then you kind of get this quick flash to everybody taking communion. Mm-hmm. She's like, this this thing that, re- that may repair damaged cells is violently photosensitive and causes insane anemia. Trace amounts in the blood, but as that ratio increases, the physical alterations become more pronounced. And she like points to Millie like, like that lady over there. <laughs> and she's like, like no, no. when I put my mom and Aaron's blood in the sun, it burned away, leaving behind... This this virus, whatever it is, burned away, leaving behind your normal blood. And Aaron's like, my blood? And Sarah's like, yeah, I took a sample after the miscarriage, you know. And she's like, I bet Lisa's blood would be the same. But both of your bloods is still mostly human. She's like, but with Riley, perhaps he had more of it in his bloodstream. And I was like, because he bled out and had to be, and his blood had to be replaced. Hmm. That's what, what, do you think... That, how do they get the angel blood into Riley? Because he didn't drink it like Father did in the cave thing. And he hasn't been taking communion. So how did his blood have so much of the angel blood? Did they just, like, infuse it into him? And how? I don't know. I have questions later because it's the same questions with everybody later. Okay. I don't know. So Sarah says, maybe when the sun permeated Riley's skin, the blood, now predominantly this virus, ignited. 
Aaron's like this thing, you know, if, if someone was to ingest it, um, what would happen if they were pregnant? And Sarah's like, well, a pregnancy is essentially an alien presence in the human body. A lot of stuff occurs to, to keep a mother's body from attacking a fetus in the womb. But seeing how aggressively this virus thing alters the body, it very well likely would have attacked the fetus. And Aaron starts to cry, which is, I mean, it's what we knew all along. Mm -hmm. And Millie's like, could you stop it if most of your blood was still yours? And Sarah's like, I don't know. I'm not a freaking scientist. I barely know how to doctor. I know. I like, I say I'm barely a doctor. I know where the band-aids are and the cane. That's it. That's all I got. She's like, well, I think it's kind of like when we ingest poison. If we stop taking it, maybe our body can push it back out. And I was like, I don't think that's how poison works. <laughs> she's like, filter it out if it's not too much. And she's like, that's what I believe. And honestly, I have a MD and you don't. So <laughs> that's actually my, my notes say, honestly, I don't have a fucking clue because I'm a terrible doctor. <laughs> that's what I said. Actually, I don't have a fucking clue. That's what my notes say. <laughs> Maybe that's what she said. I don't know. Millie's like, where do we go? Oh, she does. She does say, I don't have a fucking clue. Because her, okay. her mom does look at her. And so Millie's like, so what do we do? And Aaron's like, the one thing I can remember that Riley told me before he burst into flames, because the rest of it kind of just is hazy, is he told me to run. And that's what they want to do. Okay. We'll see. All right, so now we see Ed going over to the rectory. Smoking. Smoking. (laughs) There it is. And Bev answers. She lets him in, and the whole gang's here. It's Father Paul and Sturge and Wade and Dolly. And Dolly is crying for some reason, and I have no idea why, and I never figured it out. I I have my theories for later. Okay. Ed wants to talk to Father in private. Can we take a walk? And obviously, Father can't take a walk because it's the middle of the day. So, Bev makes up this excuse that they were all just getting ready to leave anyway. So, you two can chat it out in here. So, they leave Father Paul and Ed alone. And Ed says, okay, so my son Riley, you've been getting him to write letters to make amends. And Father's face is like, oh, shit. What, this, this is what, is what I noticed the eyeliner. This is where I noticed it. <laughs> Am I going to have to eat Ed? And Father Paul is like, yeah. And Ed says, well, I don't think he's well. He wrote some letters to me, his mother. I read mine, and it is wagadoodle. <laughs> and I read Annie's, and yeah, he is not well. This stuff is delusional, and I don't know where to go for help. I can't go to the sheriff because I don't want to be the one who gets him in trouble with the law again. So anyway, you've been spending time with him, so I figured you'd be the one to ask. I think he's done something to himself. And so, Father Paul, like, has this, like, little sigh of relief, like, that is, like, the silent sigh of relief, because he's like, oh, good, he doesn't think that I have murdered him and turned him into a, the human torch. Uh, he says these letters seem like a goodbye. And he says some crazy stuff about you in these letters. Father Paul apologizes and says, yep, yep, Riley is not well. He is not good, Ed. And Ed loses his shit and starts sobbing. And he says, I just could never do it with him. It was like we spoke different languages. And then he says, I did my best. And I was like, oh, my God, he said the same thing Riley said. I see you, writers of Midnight I didn't notice that until you just said it that way. And I was like, oh, yep, I get it. So they're not as different as they thought they were. Anyway, Father Paul says, don't assume the worst. Maybe he's been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize and he's just gone to claim it. You you don't know. You don't know his life is. Seriously, fuck. You just said you didn't know it. He's out working on transponders. (laughs) Love your son as God loves us. Assume the best. And then Father asks if he should look the letters to see if he can figure out where Riley might be. 
Ed says, sure, I was going to give them to you anyway. And actually, one is addressed to Monsignor Pruitt. And I don't even know if he remembers who Riley is anymore. And Father's like, he does. He does. <laughs> totally. He de- definitely does. So Ed leaves, and Father Paul opens the letter to Monsignor Pruitt. And it says, "We remember we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And I was like, oh, I love it. I did too. Because it's back at that first part where he's doing the communion. It's almost like he predicted all this. Anyway, he balls up the letter because I don't know. He's mad about it. I don't know. I just love that father says Riley wasn't well. I mean, isn't well. And I was like, oh, (laughs) father. Yeah, I guess he's just mad about Riley's decision to take his gift and just let it ignite in the sun. Wander it. Just just squander squander it away. Gosh. So Erin goes to the Flynn's. This is like the dumbest decision she's made today. And she's made a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she goes to the Flynn's and Annie comes to the door, does not invite her in. Like That's pushes her think. out onto the porch. Like, oh, Again. hi. And Erin, like, this is the worst. She's like, I was hoping you and Warren and Ed would like to go to mainland with me tonight for nothing suspicious. <laughs> That's exactly how she says it, too. And then Annie says, my, what an odd request. And I, and I laughed out loud. And she's like, no, we can't do that. It's, we have mass. It's Easter Vigil. And she's like, so honestly, though, I was kind of hoping you would help me. It's been days. I'm worried about Riley. And maybe you could just tell him he needs to come home. And Aaron, like, starts to tear up. And she's like, maybe you could bring him home tonight. We could have dinner and go, I'll go to mass together. And Aaron's like, he's dead. Riley's dead. Uh, he's gone. He told me if I could, he wanted his family to be safe. And Annie just looks at her and goes, be quiet. And I was like, oh, Annie. And she's like, we have always tried. And as she's talking, she's moving forward and slowly pushing Aaron backwards with her body. And she's like, we have always tried to be there for you. And we always have been. Why would you say something like that? And shoves her off the porch. And she's like, why would you say that? You're not funny. Get out. And I was like, because Annie knows there's some truth there. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I just don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. No, no, no. We go to the sheriff's office and Sarah is sitting there talking to him. He thinks she's nuts because I was like, this is why Riley would have been imperative right now. Like, see this? Look, my hand's out the window and it's burning on fire. Okay, do you believe me? Good. He thinks she's not. She says she's going to the mainland this afternoon. And I was like, why did you wait so freaking long? Get on that first freaking boat and get the hell Mm -hmm. out. This is stupid. And she's like, I'm going to the mainland. I'm going to show my on-fire vials to everybody that will look at them. And then I'm coming back here with help. And I was like, what kind of help? Like, She keeps saying her colleagues. I'm like, who the fuck are Sarah's colleagues? It's the dude on the corner that says, <laughs> the, you know, the whatever is coming. It's the end of it. It's end of days. <laughs> so the sheriff says, so you're telling me there's a contagion being spread intentionally at St. Patrick's. And she's like, yep, look into it. And he's like, well, look into what exactly? You have no proof. And he's like, look into the church on the basis of some of your mother's tests were damaged. She's like, yeah, I get that it's a lot to ask. And he's like, do you? (laughs) Do do, do you get that it's a lot lot to ask? And then he says, did I ever tell you why I moved here? And I was like, we have literally never had a conversation before now. So no. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how she says, no, I don't think so. (laughs) Like that would be something she would forget. Uh, I yeah. love that they're like, whenever this shit's going on, everybody's like, you know what? That reminds me story of a story. <laughs> <laughs> we 
I tell you about my sister who died of polio? It's so but, dumb. But no, that's that's not going to be Sheriff's story. This is Sheriff's backstory about what brought him to the island. And he says, of course, you don't know because I didn't tell anyone. It's weird. It's almost like no one even asked. And I was like, just tell the fucking story. He says he was 21 when the towers went down. And he wasn't religious, but that day he went to the mosque to donate blood. Then he moved to New York, became an NYPD cop, worked his way up. He got married. Ali was born. And now he's a detective with top secret security clearance, helping the FBI fight terrorists. So they start putting pressure on like petty criminals. They want them to go and listen at the mosque. We're creating spies. So I complained gently one time and everything changed. How this went down is after the towers went down, Muslim cops were promoted quickly, especially if you knew the culture, if you knew the language, because you could get in there and get information easier. But then the other cops started to think with so many Muslims on the force in these positions of authority, what if that was the plan all along? What if they were double agents? So they panicked. Suddenly he's put on night shift, a street beat, and he realizes that he's lost their trust. But he rolls with it. I keep my head high. My wife says to show them dignity. And then she's diagnosed and she's robbed of her dignity so fast and then she's gone. So Ali and I get as far away as possible. He says he finds this gig on the sleepy island where there's no elections, no staff, no incidents of intentional violence in almost a century. That's pretty impressive. And he begs for the job. He says Ali is bored to tears, but he's safe. And I still think maybe here is where I can make a difference in the public opinion about Muslims. He says, I don't intimidate. I don't overshare or intrude. I don't even carry a gun. And still Beverly Keen and a few others look at me like I'm Osama bin fucking Laden. And you want me to investigate St. Patrick's? And she says, I mean, yeah, I, I wish I was wrong, but I'm not. He reminds her that she's basing all of this on a third-hand account from Riley Flynn, and he calls him a, hardly a reliable source. I'm like, How? you don't even fucking know Riley. He's done literally nothing since he got back to the island to cause any trouble. He goes to AA meetings. He lives with his parents. I was like, what and, is... And from the way they put it, he did nothing to cause any trouble beforehand. He was an altar boy. Yeah. He moved and he became what? part of this tech thing and went to one party got drunk and killed somebody. And now he's not a reliable source. Right. I was like, wow, yeah. Sheriff, fuck you, really. And she gets up to leave. She turns around. And she's like, you don't carry a gun? And he says, no need. And she just goes, hmm. I know. I love walks out. That <laughs> had a lot I of love power. I, yeah, I can't stand Sarah. I can't stand her. But I, I like, like her. I like her. She's the dumbest doctor ever made. She is. Um, and there's, uh, there's a lot of dumb doctors. Sorry. <laughs> So we see Aaron, Sarah, and Millie are just on their way to the docks, which, okay, this is really stupid. They start walking up to the dock, and they get all the way to the water before they get concerned <laughs> that there's no ferry there. Before they realize there's no giant ferry sitting And I was like, you didn't see that from three blocks over, that there were no ferries there. <laughs> and Millie's like, I can count on one hand in my lifetime that that boat has been late. And then we see Sturge coming out of another boat, and he's like, uh, they said no bell today? And he's like, no, it had some recall stuff. Mayor sent it in for repairs. The bell and the breeze. So no fairies. And they're like, but why? And he's like, well, not many people go off island in the afternoon. That's morning business. And I was like, see, you should have left sooner. Mm-hmm. And he's like, besides, you don't want to take the ferry over there. You'd get stuck on the mainland and miss the vigil. And Sarah says, well, will the ferry be back tomorrow? And he's like, ah, it's hard to say. You know, you could talk to the mayor if it'll put your mind at ease. 
And Sarah's like, well, if I wanted to get over the mainland, I could ask a fisherman to run me, right? Lots of boats on this island. And she's like, but you service them all. And it's apparent that Sturge has made all the boats no longer go anywhere. No mo- no go boats. I don't know what you want to no say. Go, no go boats. I'm pretty sure he's like standing there with a starter and all the wires <laughs> just hanging it. off of it. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm repairing it. Yeah. And they, they start to walk away and Sturge is like, don't forget the vigil. Bye. Now it's nighttime. It got like this day went by super duper fast. Like nothing happened and this day was super fast. And Sheriff's in his office and he's looking on his computer at the missing person report for Riley and also Riley's mugshot. Like the two go hand in hand. Like that's going to give him any kind of information. I find it irritating. (laughs) When all of a sudden the power goes out, he looks at his phone at 7.50. He's got a few bars left on his phone. It's, It's cool. We're not worried yet. So he calls Sturge and says, hey, you know, we lost power. And Sturge is like, yeah, the whole island is out. Must be a brownout. Happens from time to time. And then all of a sudden he flips the main power with a big ka-chunk while he's on the phone. I said that. I was like, he is making so much fucking obvious noise that he is at the power station. And the sheriff's just like, okay. Okay, I know nothing about islands. (laughs) (laughs) And Sheriff's like, okay, cool. Call me back later, Bobby. Bye. And Sturge turns around and Mayor has been holding a flashlight for him because he couldn't see, he couldn't take one hand and turn that power thing off with the other hand. Um, and, and Sturge says almost all the boats are done and he'll get the rest done soon, meaning he'll disable all of them. And then they look up and they can see the cell tower. It's got a blinking red light. And I feel like this is foreshadowing. Something about that tower and the red light is going to come back later. The mayor says to wait on the cell, cell tower until everyone is asleep or in church. We don't want to alarm the sheriff any further. And I was like, mm-hmm. Mm. His eyebrows, which are very big and bushy, are already raised to the ceiling, kids. So <laughs> I like how the mayor is like some criminal mastermind now. I don't know when that happened. The mayor and Dolly jumped on this bandwagon awful goddamn fast. Like, I don't get it. So Aaron and Millie, the the dream team here, are still at the (laughs) house. And Aaron says, so the fairies and the lights and shit's getting real, real quick. Sarah says, yeah, and Sturge is servicing fishing boats at the end of the day on Easter weekend. Hmm, doesn't seem fishy at all. Aaron says, well, the cell cell tower goes down. We are completely cut off. And Millie says, what about smaller boats? Rowboats. And Aaron says, well, we're surrounded by water for 30 miles in every direction. And I was like, but Riley thought that that was completely yeah. cool for you to go out 30 miles. Couldn't the three of you get in a boat and you could take turns? Millie's got that new lady strength. Right. And you could get out far enough, get, at least get out far enough that a fishing boat from the mainland might find you. Something. Another ferry. Yep. Something. Yep. And Aaron's like, oh, this, this is just... That's just unreasonable for me to have to row anymore tonight. My arms fucking hurt, guys. <laughs> not going anywhere. And she's like, the whole town is going to be at mass tonight. And Millie's like, well, not me or Sarah. I already told her we're not going there ever again. And Aaron's like, listen, I appreciate you taking me in today. And I was like, I don't think they took you in. I think you just showed up <laughs> and you would not leave. You let yourself in, yeah. And she's like, but I'm going to church tonight because I'm a stupid twat. And that's what I'm going to do. And she's like, I don't know what's going to happen if anything's going to happen. But Riley sacrificed everything because he thought I could help. He just thought I was wonderful. So people will be there that I love, that hate me, and that Riley loves. So I need to be there. And I was like, Aaron, you've got a false sense of yourself. Because even when it comes down to it, you're pretty useless. Yeah. And she remains useless throughout the entire episode. 
Okay. So the sheriff is doing his nightly prayers and Ollie comes out of his room and is just standing there watching him. Doesn't join in. He's dressed and ready to go to Easter Vigil and he wants his dad to come. He's like, come on, dad. There's a big surprise. There's a miracle. Something awesome is going to happen tonight. And I want you to be there so we can see it together. Cut to Bev with a candle outside of the mayor's house. And the mayor and Dolly and Lisa come out and she hands them candles and they start walking through town singing, Holy God, we praise your name. Inside Sarah's house, the dream team is sitting there and they hear the singing. They blow out their candles. I thought they were going to hide for a minute. I thought they were going to be like, nobody's home. Yeah, but <laughs> like they go I do when anybody comes to the door, slide, yes, up, slide exactly. beneath the couch. Like, Shh, we're not here. <laughs> So they go outside to join this crowd of people. They're like marching through town with their candles and singing this hymn. Sturge is back at the power stations and now he's cutting the cell phone lines. And so they are officially completely cut off. The entire town is basically marching towards the church. And they must have been practicing for all of Lent because they got harmonizing and shit going on. It's perfectly timed with the Oregon guy. They're handing out printouts, but nobody's using them? Nobody's looking at them. Yeah, <laughs> nobody's looking at them. They got this shit memorized. They, they are on fire tonight. No pun intended. Oh. Everyone walks into the church. I swear I did not. I didn't workshop that even a little <laughs> bit. And it's time for the show. So Uker and Warren and Father Paul are coming down the aisle, and we see that the sheriff has come with Ollie. He looks like he is in physical pain listening <laughs> to this thing. <laughs> he is like, fuck me, I hate this. Annie is totally pumped. She is singing the end of the song for Jesus. She's happy. And Father starts by talking about how he's wearing the gold chasuble, just like he was wearing the first Sunday. And Bev even called me out and asked me why I was wearing it in ordinary time. And what I couldn't tell her then was that I wore it on purpose because it wasn't an ordinary Sunday. It was a holy day. You were right. You called it. He says, tonight will be different, too. It's the beginning of a new era. We will be celebrating the resurrection more than anyone ever has. And then he starts to give his confession, and he says, I've lied to you all. I didn't come here to replace Monsignor Pruitt. He's perfectly healthy. He's been blessed. He's been healed and made young, just like you. He was the first, and he stands before you right now asking your forgiveness. And the murmurs and the crowd start, and Sturge is so proud. He's just standing there beaming. And Uger and Warren are like, what? He says, nothing is impossible with God. I was lost and confused, tired and old, when lo and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to me, and I was restored. I came back here. I brought the angels so he might bless us all. And you've seen the miracles. Hello. And he says, tonight we'll be tested just a little bit, as was Jesus. I was afraid too, so suck it up. I endured death. It was no big deal. Believe me, if you follow him, he will raise you again in his glory to eternal life. There is a price to pay, obviously. No more beach vacations. You're not going to be catching a tan anymore. Aaron and Sarah and Millie are looking around like, all these people are fucking nuts. So then Sturge gets up and goes to the front and kneels at the stairs in front of the altar. I love that Ed Flynn is serving the best freaking skeptical looks during this. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck is happening? I don't I don't understand. So um, Sturge comes forward and Bev goes in the back hallway and grabs the communion cup. And as she's turning, we see that there's trays filled with, like, plastic solo cups and a big pile of empty poison bottles. And this is where my middle son yelled, this is some Jim Jones Kool-Aid crap. Yes, I was like, Jonestown. <laughs> but I've, ne I've never been so proud of his true crime cult knowledge. I was like, <laughs> yeah. So Father is reading 
Bible verses about the resurrection, and he tells Sturge to drink from the cup, and Sturge says, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid, and Father says, well, it's going to be scary, it's going to be awful frightening, and you guys need to not freak out, so immediately Sturge starts to convulse and puke foam, and Father keeps saying, I'm with you, I'm with him, guys, I'm with him, I'm with you. And everyone starts screaming, and Father says, it's all right, it's going to be over soon. And I was like, why didn't people leave right now? This would have been the time to leave. Get Uh the fuck out. And Father's screaming, have faith, it'll be over soon, the body is dead, but just for a moment. And this is when Sheriff decides he's going to nope the fuck out of here. He grabs Ollie by the hand and heads to the door. But as he turns, there's the fucking angel standing there wearing a gold robe. Or it's white. I think it's white. He's wearing a robe. It's white and gold. And everybody's like, what the fuck? And Father says, I would not make you see what you have seen without showing you God's messenger. The sheriff kind of backs up and the angel walks down the aisle. And Father repeats about how humans have always been afraid of angels. Everyone's terrified. Even Bev looks concerned, which is saying a lot. Mm-hmm. The angel goes up on the altar and opens his wings. And Father says, fear not, fear not, be not afraid. And I was like, okay, the angel, like, was attacking anybody it saw earlier. Like, what, did they feed it a cow before this? That it's, like, satisfied, (laughs) we're good? Yeah. So this is the point that Sturge decides to come back from the dead. And he starts gasping, and and then everybody's freaking out. Bev is thrilled. Lisa cries as Dolly and the mayor go to grab more trays of poison and start handing them out to everyone. Father says, we are so close to salvation. The blood of this angel is in your veins. The transformation is not complete until you let your earthly body die. And I was like, wouldn't the Sarah and the sheriff die regardless? Because they haven't taken communion. So they have none of that built up. Um, Lisa looks like she's just going to puke from how awful this is. Father says, one moment of faith is the price God asks of us. A small moment of discomfort. A small passion of our own. Open your minds and your hearts and listen to that voice. The world is trying to silence. The voice of our angel says, be not afraid. Sheriff says, nope, and grabs Ollie, who starts kicking and screaming like a two-year-old. And stop (laughs) it, dad, and steps back till he's almost right next to father. And like, I'm not going with you. No, 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 no. This is when Sheriff pulls out his gun that we didn't know he had and points it at Father Paul. I don't know, Monsignor, whoever the frick he is. Whoever. And he says, Ollie, come to me right now. and, And if any of you people come near my fucking son... And Mayor's like, hey, Sheriff, take it easy, man. It's going to be fine. Sheriff makes the stupid point to fire into the ceiling to show how serious he is. But this is when everybody sees that he's got the gun fired in the air and tackles him and throws him on the ground. But yet grab him by the hair so they can pull his head up so he can look at Bev, who is screaming, how dare you bring a firearm into the house of God? And I was like, oh, God, Bev. Bev tells everyone that Ollie is choosing God over the pressure of his own father and you know, they should all do the same. Thank you for setting an example and hands him a cup. And Sheriff starts begging him, no Ollie, no Ollie. And Ollie says he chooses God and the Sheriff just starts screaming. And I was like, oh, this is awful. I know, this is, this is terrible. Fuck Ollie, man. I know, he's the worst. How much do you have to hate your dad and why do you hate him so much? I know, God, he's just trying to keep you safe. Okay, so Aaron finally realized that they should probably do something. They just start telling people, like, you don't have to do that. Don't drink from the cup. They're just slapping it out of people's hands, like, stop it. (laughs) 
But everybody starts drinking anyway, and Dolly is straight up trying to force the stuff into Lisa's mouth, and she's like, no, 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 I don't think so. I think this is why she was crying earlier. It's like she would have to kill her. Because she knew she would have to do that. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So Sarah and Aaron and Millie trying to tell people not to drink it, and this is when I was like, these people are totally brainwashed, like this is some Jonestown shit. But Ollie starts dying, and this all just happens so fast. Dolly drinks hers, and Uker drinks his, and the sheriff is still sobbing on the floor, still being held down. Wade drinks his cup, and he and Dolly start coughing up blood and dying. Ed and Annie are like, okay, well, this has been fun, but we gotta go. And Warren grabs Lisa and backs her away from her parents. Father is just screaming about Faith, and Millie sees the sheriff's gun on the floor. So she grabs it and shoots father, like once somewhere in the chest or whatever. And then the other, the next shot, boom, right in the head. For some reason, this enrages the angel, even though like father can't die, right? right? And it just flies at Millie, grabs her, and then flies out of the door of the church while Sarah is screaming for her mother. Bev screams at Sturge to close the doors and lock them. She's telling everyone, Father Paul will be okay. He will be okay. He'll heal. He just needs to rest. And Bev yells at the sheriff and tells the guys holding him to take him out back because they'll need food soon. So now people start coming back to life. So here's Ali's back life. And as people are coming back to life, we hear this faint heartbeat. As Bev is talking about how when they rise, they will be thirsty for communion. So we got Dolly back and then Wade. And then Aaron grabs the gun. Ed and Annie try to sneak out. And, okay, Uker's back. And Dolly's eyes are glowing and she's hugging Lisa. But you can tell, like, she is about to rip this child's throat out. Warren senses it, too, because he is trying to pull Lisa away from her. And the mayor's eyes are glowing. And he grabs some poor girl. And she tries to get away. And he just throws her ass on the pew and just starts sucking her dry. And then it is complete chaos. I try to keep all this straight. And I'm like, it's, it's too much. Annie grabs Warren. Warren grabs Lisa. Dolly is also trying to grab Lisa. Sheriff punches one of the guys that's holding him and breaks free. And he and Sarah and Aaron make a run for the front of the church, like back in that back hallway. Other people are trying to get out the back doors, but of course those are locked. So they're just sitting dunks for all these vampires. And Sturge tries to grab Sarah. It's it's just like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's chaos, but I don't know. I love Ed I Flynn mean, goes full Captain America and hits a guy in the face with a candle holder. <gasps> oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the sheriff, Sarah, Aaron, Warren, Lisa, and Annie, those are the ones that make it out to the front. Poor Ed, Papa Ed, is swarmed by some vamps and they have to pull Annie out of the church so she won't help him and get eaten too. So they slam the hall door closed and lock it. You can still hear the screaming and the banging around in the church. Yeah, there's a mom and a little girl who are sitting up here just screaming in terror. And Uker goes after the ponytailed piano player, which I thought was funny. It made me laugh really hard. <laughs> and we get a flashback to the hallway and the survivors, these this ragtag group, the dream team, are all in one corner like, whew, we made it. And then they turn and look and Bev is hiding in the opposite corner back by the door. And she's like, <laughs> funny to meet you guys here. Um, this will be all will be over soon. And they're all going to wake up eternal. And Aaron's like, you hid? And she's like, what are you going to do? Guns don't matter in this new world, Aaron Green. You could shoot me right now and only mean I'm five minutes behind. And Aaron shoots her right in the fucking chest. And I laugh so <laughs> hard. 
And then Aaron says, we have five minutes. And they run out the back door into the night. So it's five minutes later, apparently, because Bev wakes and looks around and she can see the psychedelic candles and everything's swirling. Mm-hmm. Go out, flash out to the church and the walls are covered in blood, just like in Riley's dream. Father is laying there just a twitching. Ed Flynn is dead. Quotation, you know, he's uh-huh. dead. Yeah. There's the little girl. She's dead, laying on the ground. Serge is standing there like, and he goes, I don't know what happened. <laughs> and Bev says, it's, it's okay. Open the doors. Serge says, father said we should close the doors before they wake up so we can guide them, orient them, so this doesn't happen. And Bev's like, listen, I love him, but it happened nonetheless. It was meant to be. As they say, man plans and God laughs. <laughs> Those who have been coming to church and taking communion, they have nothing to fear tonight. As for the rest, let God sort them out. And all of a sudden, everybody starts waking up. And Beth says, Faith, Monsignor, faith and courage. Open the doors. The doors stay open, just like the gates are always open. How else could the gospel spread? And I was like, oh, you're saying vampires be free. Destroy everybody on the island who's left. Mm -hmm. So Sturge opens the door. And as he opens the door, it fades to black. And I was like, I would go to the jail, lock myself in the cell until it was light out, then run like hell for a boat. Any boat. <laughs> Any boat. Ed Flynn's yep. boat. He's got to have parts somewhere, right, to make that sucker run. I mean, yeah. You got to keep him on the boat in case something happens while you're out. At- Warren's got to know yeah. something. He's got to watch his dad. He's got to know. Or we all climb into that one rowboat and we hope for the goddamn best. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, between the six of them, surely they could manage to row to some land and then be like could you please drop a nuke on crocodile island okay thanks do we think that millie is dead do you think she's gone no i don't think so because we have not had the big reveal yet from her about sarah's parents yeah yeah although maybe monsignor pruitt would be the one to tell her i don't know i feel like the mom has to be there like for confirmation that it's true I still am by the belief that mom is going to be father's downfall. She's going to be like, we don't need to do this. John, this is not the man I knew. Mm -hmm. And he's going to throw himself into the light or she's going to kill him or something's going to happen. Something. Yeah. I mean, because there must be something to shooting father. Like, he seems to be having a really hard time healing like he's down there for a while and he does not look any better at the end of this than he did right after it happened so well which is i don't know which is so weird because okay riley it took him six hours for his neck to be his neck was broken it was all ripped apart by the angel right took him six hours Mm -hmm. to come back how are these people like popping back like it's nothing like okay i see the poison they did that really you know they popped it and did that really quickly but they had their throats ripped out, but it's like minutes later and they've come back too. I mean, Bev was shot in the chest and she came right back. Father was shot in the head and he's not coming back as fast. So there's something well, going on it there. it confuses me too because she says if they've been taking communion, they don't, they don't have anything to worry about. So I was assuming, well, okay, these people who have taken communion, obviously maybe they can't die because they have enough of the angel blood. But again, Riley hadn't been taking communion. So I yeah. feel like they must have forced him to feed on the angel like when he wasn't even with it or did an IV I don't freaking know but it doesn't the whole thing with Riley doesn't make any sense to me because he should just be dead I mean he was attacked by this angel he didn't drink the blood of the angel he was dead his neck was broken like he hadn't been taking communion in my mind I'm Riley should be dead I don't know well and the same thing with like father when he was originally poisoned 
she couldn't she didn't poison him in that moment he came running into the rectory and like fell over so he'd been poisoned yeah. earlier in the day so he made it like how an hour 20 minutes i don't know and before he fell over so how are these people like seconds later it's it's doing that walking dead thing the walking dead did the whole thing of like it took like 24 hours before they came back and then like when it was inconvenient for the storyline all of a sudden they come back in seconds so it's it's mm-hmm. dumb it's dumb yeah i don't know i don't know but we plan on watching the last episode tonight. I think we will, too. I guess we'll see where this goes. My middle one gets out of work at four, and we will probably watch that before the little one comes home, and then it'll be done. Perfect. Okay, well, what did you guys think? And do you agree with us that this whole coming back to life, not coming back to life, coming back to life quickly, coming back to life six hours later, why the hell is Riley, did he even come back to life? Do you agree with us that none of this makes sense? Because if you do, then you should hop on to several different locations and tell us that you agree with us. And where are those locations, Tiffany? You can go to Facebook or Instagram at That's the Original Podcast and agree with us that Riley was kind of selfish to not stick around another day and let, us, let everybody know, like, what really was going on. Because letters don't yeah, work, sure. Riley. They don't work. Nope. Um, you can go to Twitter at That's So Pod. You can go to our website at That's So Original Podcast.com. You can go and send us an email at That's So Original Podcast at gmail.com. Like us and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Stitcher and Spotify. Tell us that you're alive because we're worried about you and we haven't heard from you in quite some time and we're thinking something's wrong. (laughs) Maybe you don't like us anymore. Thank you. Like, we're the people that we need constant affirmations that you like us and that you're listening. That you're not mad at us. Are you mad at us? Yeah. What did I do? I'm sorry. Whatever it is, I'm sorry. And I'll never do it again, but you have to let me know what it was. So why don't you do that at those places that Tiffany just said? That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's it for episode six. And we will be back with you next time with episode seven, Revelation. It's going to be a revelation, maybe. We'll see. And we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye-bye. And she's like, who else? What else? Who else? Who else? What else is what it says in my notes. So I'm not wrong. See, the problem is I wrote it phonetically so I would know how to spell it or say it. Okay, you're right. Do it again. I think we should keep this in. <laughs> it'll go in the it'll go in the gag. <laughs> I messed up. I am not infallible, contrary to popular opinion. Okay, go. Hang on a second. Cat is beating the damn okay. door down. Go away. Cat's scratching my door up. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs>